lift our hands. Jesus, we love you so much. God, I thank you for the power that's in your name. But God, right now, I want to thank you that you're my father. You're my daddy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the revelation of that, Lord. And God, I thank you, Lord, that that you've given us the opportunity to do things in excess, God. Some, some things that, that, God, that'll release wisdom and your will in our life, God. And I thank you and I praise you. I praise you, Jesus. Father, I love you. I pray, Lord, that the rest of this Sunday, the rest of this day, I would be filled with the miraculous, filled with revelation, filled with power and understanding. God, we give you glory and we give you honor. I pray that we would enthrone you in this place. That our desires and our will would be set aside. That we would get out of the way so that you could operate and move as you will. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Great to be with you this weekend. I just want to give the Lord glory. Give honor to your pastor and pastor's wife. My wonderful friends, 15, 15 years and two days. <laughs> they are incredible people. I'm not sure you realize how blessed you are. And so I just, this is an outsider, except I'm family. An outsider telling you, you guys are incredibly blessed. So I have the, uh, the honor to introduce our morning speaker. Sister Lois Green my friend, my mentor. I love her. I will never forget. It was kind of an awkward moment for me. We were on our way back from winter fire. Somehow I had ended up on that trip and in some of the seats that I had never thought I would sit in. It was, it was very interesting. And uh, on our way back, I wanted to ask her to be my mentor. And so we're standing in the, the, the center of the Atlanta airport about to part ways. And I'm like, well, if you're going to do it, Lindsay, you got to do it. And uh, I looked up. She's like, oh, yeah. Okay. And it's just going to happen organically. And so, and it has. And I'm thankful for the family, the, the, the mom and dad <clears throat> that I have in them. So I introduce to you Sister Lois Green. I know she's got a word from the Lord for us today. Well, good morning. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, my word, I'm so excited. I feel like God's given me a word. For you. For Wait, we're not saying rack anymore. We're saying R-A-C. Is that a thing? Oh, so, okay. All right, either way. <laughs> for rack, for R-A-C. Um, I just want, before you guys are seated, to just say some thank yous. First of all, to my friends. Y'all are, I, you know, we, we can go for a long time and not talk, but when we're back together, it's just, I mean, I, I trust them implicitly, and I'm so thankful for their friendship. Thank you guys for everything you've done for us this weekend. The basket was amazing. See my beautiful hair clip? Those came out of the basket. 
they just take such good care of us. Thank you, Annabeth and Jake, for all that you do to support your parents and support this church. We love this family and looking forward to, what'd you call them yesterday? The soon-to-be's, like getting to know you all, them better. So we are thankful to be here, and I want to just, first of all, say thank you to my husband because everything that I am is a product of his ministry And what I'm speaking to you today, 100% is revelation that he brought um, to me and that God has opened up to my understanding. And I'm so grateful. Baby, I love you so much, and I'm so thankful for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Did I, who did I miss? Lindsay. I knew I was missing somebody. Oh my goodness, Lindsay, she, uh, I I might be her mentor, but she has taught me so much as well, and I'm thankful for her voice in my life, I'm thankful for her consistency, and just watching her walk through life is is a encouragement to me, and I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, she's amazing, and you guys already know that, but thank you to the whole church, thank you for letting us be here. We feel like family. We love you, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do here and then in the next service. We're going to talk today about how we overcome. How we overcome. Revelations 12:11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Revelation 12:11. You can be seated. You can be seated. So we're going to talk about how we overcome. And what we're overcoming here is the enemy. They that overcame him. That's talking about Satan. How we conquer the enemy. Yes, sir. Sister Becky Daniel, we are so glad to see you in this house. There was a point where they didn't think she would even be alive, but she's alive and she's back in the house of the Lord. That's that's worthy of some praise right now. Amazing. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my word, what a miracle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) So we're going to talk about overcoming Satan, conquering the enemy, because everything you face, everything you face, every trial, every life circumstance has a component of overcoming, defeating the enemy, defeating your own flesh, whatever it might be. Never make a peace treaty with your trial. Don't settle out of court for less than who you can be in God. The first thing we have to understand about overcoming is we can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it alone. We have to rely on God. Um, In all of our relying on each other and talking with each other and hashing things out and counseling, we have to understand that even in the midst of all that, the only source that's powerful enough to help us overcome is the one true living God. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And the word of God, which is his 
nature. It's who he is. It just tells us all about him. It's the only book. It's the only resource we have for overcoming. So let's talk about what uh, Revelation 12, 11 says. It, first thing it says is we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, how, does, how does that work? Well, this is more than just understanding that God was willing to lay down his life for you. It's bigger than just thanking, the God, thanking God for the blood applied. Because that's it's a little abstract, right? It's not just like super tangible. But what we have to understand is that this is the law of God fulfilled, right? Um, before the law ever came, God created this idea of a Passover lamb. He said, kill the lamb, apply the blood to the doorposts, and when the death angel goes over, you're going to live. And then after he gave the law, it was always about blood sacrifice. It was how you atoned for your sins. It was how you approached God. So he became the lamb of God. He fulfilled his own law by sacrificing himself, making himself a sacrifice. So the reason I brought all that in is because God is all about law. He's always been about it. He'll always be bound to his law. Law is the overarching theme of the Bible. Even the words testament, those are legal terms. Testament, it's a contract. You have the Old Testament and you have the New Testament. These aren't just words that we came up with um, to separate the two, like before Jesus and after Jesus. But in Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, of the new contract, which is shed for the remission, for many, for the remission of sins. So what he's saying is, this is a new contract that I'm making with you, and the blood that I'm shedding, the blood of the Lamb, is for remission. And that word remission means you're pardoned. You're found innocent. So it's for the remission from the legal penalties that would have been against you, um, that's why Jesus shed his blood. I mean, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but consider these words, okay, when we talk about a legal system. These are New Testament words. Old Testament, but also New Testament. A witness. A witness is someone who gets on a witness stands and testifies. Testifies. Gives their testimony. Uh, they give evidence. Condemnation. Now, I think we maybe think of this a little differently, but what it literally means in the Greek is an adverse sentence, a guilty verdict. That's what you're condemned to die. You're condemned. That's what condemnation is. Justify means to render just or innocent. That's a courtroom. You're found innocent in a court setting. Unrighteousness means a legal injustice. Uh, covenant is like testament. It's a contract. Judgment is a decision for or against, and by extension, a courtroom. It's a courtroom setting. Commandment is an injunction or decree. That's a court order. That's a commandment. It's a court order. Deliverance, these three words, deliverance, set at liberty, and remission, all mean the same thing in the Greek, and it just means freedom or to pardon. You're, you're being pardoned from your uh, sentence. So this New Testament or new contract is not to destroy the old one because God's laws were created by him. They reflect who he is. He didn't say the old law is wrong. Let's write a new one. 
He said he came to fulfill the law. Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Think not that I am come to destroy the law. That's what the Jews thought he was doing. Or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. How many times does the New Testament say uh, that it might be fulfilled, that it was spoken by this prophet or by that prophet, that the scripture might be fulfilled, that these things were fulfilled because they were written in the law of Moses. Over and over and over, the law and prophets are being fulfilled by Jesus Christ and even now are being fulfilled as we go through the end of time. So Jesus came to earth not to fulfill, I mean not to destroy, but to fulfill. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.16. This is a scripture we love. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. That word proof, reproof means proof or conviction. Again, another courtroom legal thing for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So all scripture here, all scripture not referring to the New Testament. The New Testament hadn't even been written. This is the writing in the New Testament. So he's not referring to necessarily, you know, what, what's coming. He's referring to what's behind. He's talking about the Old Testament, the law. All Scripture is profitable. Now, Paul said this, right? Second Timothy, Paul wrote that. This is the same Paul that lots of people like to quote in Galatians of how he says the law doesn't matter. You don't have to think about it. You just pass over that. It's not profitable for us today. No. The same Paul that is speaking to the Jews, trying to show them that that fulfilling that law is not what is saving them from condemnation or being condemned to death, but what's saving them is that Jesus fulfilled it and their faith in him. Right? So all scripture is profitable. All scripture. So how we overcome through the blood of the Lamb is understanding that we cannot pay the price to fulfill what the law demands for the remission of our sins. We can't do that. We can only have faith in the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and fulfills the law. So everything that the blood did in the Old Testament is now ours to partake of through Jesus Christ. We're saved from death, where our sins are atoned or covered. Uh, it remits, takes them away. It sanctifies us, purifies us. The sprinkling of the blood, that's what that was for, to, to cleanse you and purify you. And, the, and it does all these things legally. It's not just, oh, well, the law was so harsh and now Jesus is so kind. That's not it. Jesus, this is a legal action that he took so that we wouldn't have to pay those penalties. So that's how understanding that is the first thing we need to understand about overcoming the enemy, is we can't do it. We have to rely on Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed. All right? So the second thing that I want to talk about is the word of their testimony. Again, a legal setting, testimony, evidence given. You're a witness. And what do we know about evidence? Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Faith is our evidence. We're on trial, we're testifying, and our evidence is faith. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. So the word of our testimony means something that we say out loud. That's what's in the definition of the word. 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 Remember when that was a thing? Word. (laughs) So the word of our testimony means something said, as opposed to something that's just thought or unspoken. Again, we're in a courtroom setting, a legal setting, because God is all about the law. Even in the New Testament, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's courtroom jargon. It just is. So, because God is all about the law, and Jesus made a way through the shed blood, we have to participate in this courtroom system by being a witness by testifying on the stand. So testimony has a root word that can mean martyr. Um, and, uh, you know, you're, you're in a situation where you have to tell the truth of what you believe. And if you say a certain thing you know, under penalty of death, right? That's what a martyr is. You, you're killed for what you stand for, for what you stand on the witness stand and say, this is what I believe. But let me just tell you, if, you if, if the first time you decide to give testimony and stand on what you believe is under threat of death, it's not likely. It's not likely. So we um, have to be ready for that. We have to think, think through that a minute. Traditionally, we looked at giving our testimony as a means to an end, as fulfilling the Great Commission in order to see the world saved. Um, but I want to look at this just a little bit differently if we can. I want to look at it in two ways. First of all, we testify to people, right? We testify to friends, to strangers, to family. Um, Matthew 10, 32 says, whosoever therefore shall confess, another legal term, me before men, uh, him will I confess also before my father, my father which is in heaven. So we have to understand that, that we, have to, we do have to confess before men. I mean, that is something we're called to do. And when we do that, when we have that, God will in turn look at us and say, look at that. They believe in me, and he'll be that in between um, for us and confess us before God. Secondly, we have to testify before God when we are accused or when we are guilty, okay, the, the, your enemy, the Satan, is called what? The accuser of the brethren. Sometimes it's true what he accuses you of, and sometimes it's not, but that's not the point. You still have to take the stand and testify about what he's accusing you on, okay? So we have to stand before God. First uh, John 2.1 says, my little children, these things Write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's like a lawyer. We have a defending attorney, Jesus Christ. And, and he, he's going to fight for us. His word's going to fight for us. All right, so let's talk about testimonies for a minute. If you were, has, has anybody ever testified in court? Very few of us, right? So we don't really, I mean, the most we know about it is what we've seen on shows, right? What we've seen on, you know, whatever 
show might be talking about testimonies. But um, if you're called to testify in court, there's a lot of cons- uh, consideration given to that, right? Um, lawyers prepare you for your testimony. So I want to just talk about, I found these 10 tips for testimony online, and they, these prepare you for the witness stand. I just want to apply them to how we testify to people and how we testify before God. So the first thing that, you, that they instruct you to do when you're going to give testimony is be truthful. Makes sense, right? Common sense advice is the very best. Any witness trying to take the stand, don't try to argue your point. Don't try to dodge questions to avoid problem areas. Don't place a spin on your version of the facts. So this is, a, this is so important when you're testifying before God, when you're, when you're in relationship with God and you're testifying about what the accuser or the prosecuting attorney has brought to you. You have to be truthful with God. You can't sidestep. You can't say, you know, no, that's not me. You can't dodge things in your life that aren't quite right. You, you, have, you can't put a spin on it. You have to be truthful. And not only that, but when the accuser comes and, and you've confessed or you've said to God these things are true, now you have to confess your faith. It's not enough just to confess your guilt. You have to confess your faith. That's your evidence. That's your evidence that, that, you're gonna, that God's going to use to fight for you. So you get a chance to testify about your evidence. You can be sure that Jesus is going to be right there fighting for you, right there with you. He supplied this legal precedence for you. He's, this, is, this is all, you know, in his plan and in his will. So the second thing you need to do is listen carefully. Wait till the entire question is asked. Many witnesses are so anxious to cooperate and provide quick answers that they don't wait until the entire question is asked. Um, they, but you need to wait until you hear the entire question. So that piece of advice works great when you're witnessing to people. And here's the reason. Um, when Jesus was questioned, a lot of times he just answered back with a question. Or he answered something that seemed like it didn't have anything to do with the question. Because he was dealing with a bigger issue. And when you're testifying to someone, a lot of times the things that they bring to the table, this is not about an argument between you and them and who's going to win the argument. Testifying is seeing the bigger picture, seeing them for who they are and the things that they're struggling with, and being a help to them. Understand that how you listen to them communicates as much as what you're saying to them. Number three, answer only the question that was asked. So if you listen carefully to the question, you have to consider the scope of the question. Don't go beyond it. Don't volunteer facts. Um, because uh, that could be used against you. So this goes along with, with, number, with the number two when you're witnessing to people. Don't try to give them the whole Bible. Don't try to, you know, just prove something. But also, when you're witnessing before God, don't give him all the reasons why you can't overcome. Tell the truth, speak truth, but then speak your faith. Speak your faith. That's your evidence. That's your courtroom evidence. And it doesn't matter how you feel. You can be truthful and say, God, I feel this, but what I know to be truth is this. 
Amen. And number four, take your time. Think before answering each question. Um, there's no, this, this is, again, is, you know, took these from the internet, so this is all about actual court. There's no points for fast answers. Witnesses who take their time to think about their answers are perceived as being conscientious and concerned about telling the truth. Well, that's great, but we just definitely want to tell the truth, <laughs> right? We don't want to just appear that we're being truthful. We want to be actually truthful. All right, number five says no guessing. Witnesses are not human computers. Many of us can't remember, you know, what we had for dinner last night, much less events that occurred months or years ago. So if you don't know the remember, if you don't remember a particular fact, don't give your best guess. In the hands of a skilled advocate, they'll that will they will take what you guessed at and make you feel like you're not even sure what you what you saw or what you what your testimony is, right? So in testifying to others, it's okay to say, um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. You know, let me pray about it. Let me find a, a principle in the Word of God and come back to you on that. It's okay to do that. Um, and when you've been accused by Satan, this courtroom before God, you can be sure, again, that Jesus Christ is there to fight for you. He supplied you with all the legal precedents. You don't have to make things up. Don't say things like, to God, like, this circumstance is never going to change. This hurt's never going to be healed. Those are, those are, Bible says, cast down imaginations. Those are things that you're imagining to be true that aren't. If you live in that place, you'll, you'll be a self-fulfilled prophecy. But what you have to do is cast down those imaginations and speak truth against the accuser all right number six no pretending to understand the question ask for clarification if you don't understand never attempt to ask a answer a question that you don't really understand particularly in the anxious and adversarial atmosphere of the courtroom certain questions may not make sense or may get lost in the commotion of objections so don't try to make sense out of the question yourself if you don't understand um, ask it to be rephrased. Okay, so in giving your testimony to another person, again, it's not about you winning against them. When, you, when someone asks you a question and it's about your testimony, it's your testimony. Nothing they say can make what you're saying not true. If you've eyewitnessed it and you're testifying about it, it doesn't matter how they feel or what they say about it. So don't, don't pretend like it's something it's not, but be truthful. And when you're testifying before God, don't, don't pretend. Uh, speaking your faith is not pretending that you're okay. Does that make sense? It's not, there's a difference in just going to God and everything's fine, I don't need any help. Well, that's, that's probably not accurate because God sees you and he desires truth in your inward parts. So as long as you... Uh, uh, I think it's good to, to lay bare all those things before God, all the things you're feeling, but then follow that up with faith, with speaking faith. Number seven is cooperate, but don't placate. You should cooperate in answering questions. Don't show antagonism. It's not your job to please the questioner. Cooperation and courtesy do not require that you give what the questioner may think is the correct answer. 
So when you're testifying to others, always speak the truth in love. You're not there to make them feel better about where they're at. Right? You're there to try to help them become a better person, a better... So always speak the truth, but speak it in love. Let that person know that you're for them. You're not trying to prove something to them that that you know something they don't know. You're trying to help them just the way that Jesus treats us. Um, And when you're testifying against your accuser, it's your job to find a truth from the word of God and stand on that. Sometimes the, the, uh, the accuser will say something to you and you don't immediately know how to fight that. But I can guarantee you there is an answer in the word of God. There is an answer in the Bible for what you're going through. And I, we have so many resources at, at the tips of our fingers. We have pastor, pastor's wife. We have leaders in the church. We have other people in the body that can help us find something in the word of God to stand on. We have Google. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, if you don't know, Google and see. see I, I do it all the time. What scriptures about anxiety? Scriptures about fear? And then I find something in the Word of God that speaks to me because the Word of God is alive and it'll, it'll, it'll interact with you. Find that and stand on it. It's not your job to agree with the accuser. That's not your job. Number eight, keep your emotions in check. So, you know, this is, again, for a courtroom setting, right? If your emotions revolve around the aggravation of the trial process, keep that to yourself. Don't fight. Don't show anger. Um, And I think this is especially important when you're witnessing to others. Don't get aggravated with them because they're not doing what you told them to do or they're not responding. Understand that they're walking in darkness. They, they, they haven't, things haven't been revealed to them. So be patient with them. Don't get aggravated. And when you're in your witnessing before God and accuser of the brethren, know that emotions will turn you every which way but loose. I mean, really. Your emotions will shake you like a rag doll. That's why you have to stand on truth no matter how you feel. You have to have mercy and rejoice in this pattern God has given us to overcome. All right, number nine, be consistent. When testifying, be consistent because, you know, things you said before, if you're inconsistent, the when the accuser comes, he's going to, like, again, make you so confused you're not going to know what you believe. Uh, her brother Tenny say years ago, consistency, thou art a jewel. Apparently that's a Shakespeare quote. I didn't know that. But I've said it my whole life because the idea is the same. Be consistent. Don't take anything. Don't add anything to the word of God. Don't take anything away from it. That's the only way you're going to be consistent. It's the only way. So... Let your testimony stand on the word. All right, and the tenth thing is try to relax on the witness stand. Just, you know, try to, again, this goes with, you know, not letting your emotions take care of you. But I think that this speaks to us practicing our testimony. Uh, People that speak in front of others, you know, they, they practice their testimony, right? 
before they speak, they, they I, you know, you might practice in front of the mirror, or you might just pray this through with the Lord when you're, but people that don't have this opportunity sometimes have never practiced their testimony. It's okay for you to practice your testimony. Write it down. Prayer's a great place to practice your testimony. Um, so I'll give you a little personal story. A few months ago, uh, my mom and my sister asked me to go to Texas with them. And I knew it was just a, it was a, I don't know, the whole thing. From the very beginning, I knew God was going to be challenging my testimony, right? He was going to be challenging me to give my testimony. And so I had prayed and I was prepared and I knew that that was going to be a thing. And um, when the moment came that I was to give my testimony, I, I did it. I did it. It was, I mean, but it was very factual. It was like this. It was like um, he asked me, how did I come to be Pentecostal? One of the people we, we were visiting. And I said, well, you know, my sister went to a service and she got the Holy Ghost and um, changed so much that she taught me a Bible study and, and I got the Holy Ghost. That was, that was it. I said it. There was nothing wrong with what I said. But I, it, was, it was as if I felt the Lord standing right here going, really? Is that it? Is that, is that what it, is that it? You, you didn't want to talk about how much I mean to you? What a friend I've been to you? How I've helped you overcome? How, you know, and I was just so convicted and I uh, repented and cried because we have to think about our testimony as if Jesus is standing right there. Like, for instance, if we're sitting at a table, um, fellowshipping or whatever, and someone asks me about my husband and I say, well, yeah, he's a preacher. He, he evangelizes. He speaks all over the world. I mean, that's truth. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's right. But if I can engage in, oh, my word, he is, he's in the word of God. He's a man of prayer. He brings revelation that has helped my... I mean, can you see the difference in those? So practice your testimony. Don't be afraid to practice it. If I had practiced it before I went to Texas, I'd have done it differently. I'd have said, you know what? When God filled me with the Holy Ghost, it was like, a, it was like I had, I, the word of God came alive. And he's been such a good friend to me. There's nothing that God won't do for me and nothing I wouldn't do for him. I mean, it's just so much more engaging. So practice your testimony. All right. And then lastly, number three, they loved not their lives unto death. This is, we, we talk about, we quote, you know, the first two a lot. But this one kind of gets, like, left behind. Um, but this is a vital component of how we overcome. Uh, we can't love our lives to the place that we compromise truth to be happier. We make decisions sometimes that serve us rather than tough decisions that serve God. Uh, yeah, yeah, we want to love our lives. Yes, we want to be happy. And I think if we have grateful hearts, we will. Um, but when something comes along that turns your world upside down, what's your response? Is it more important to you that you love your life and be happy? Or is it, are you willing to die holding on to a truth even when you don't love your life? 
even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. So that so the ways we overcome is this. We understand the value of the blood of the lamb and how it fulfills the law and how we're still in a legal system with Jesus Christ. It's still a legal transaction that's happening. We testify to God himself when we're accused by the enemy and to others in love and in transparency, confessing him before men. I mean, that, to me, that speaks again to that testimony thing I did in Texas. I wasn't confessing Jesus to that guy. I was telling him the schematics of how I ended up being a Pentecostal. Just huge difference. I'm not sure that, that if I had done that, that Jesus would look at that and say, oh, she's confessing me before men. I'm going to confess her before God. <clears throat> and then lastly, we love not our lives to the place where comfort and happiness are more important than truth. God gives us dreams. Unfulfilled dreams sometimes can make us compromise truth because we think it's going to be a certain way. We have expectations for a certain thing, and then, then it, that doesn't happen. We have to love not our lives unto the death. So today I want to encourage you to testify. Today, right now, is a courtroom setting. The, the service that we're going into and even right now, what we did in these altars last night, that was testifying. I don't know how many people I went to pray for that I felt that, the unction of that, because they're declaring to God, I'm going to worship you no matter what I'm going through. You're more important than my situation. You're going to take care of it. That's a testimony. You're testifying before God. And that's how you overcome you're not just going to stumble on to overcoming. You have to be intentional about it. Because God's in control. He'll make a way. And our faith is our evidence. And our speech, what we say out loud, has to be spoken. You can't, you can't just come to... And let me just say this. I think that speaking in tongues a lot of times expresses things that you don't know how to give voice to. And that's great. I love that. That's amazing. That's a, that's a work of the Spirit. Make sure also that you say it in English. Make sure that you confess before God what you believe about what he's doing in your circumstances. I don't know how many times um, when I was a young person that the Spirit of God would move and, and I would, you know, more like what happened around here last night. It doesn't happen very often in a lot of churches. People don't shout. People don't dance. Um, there's not that just overwhelming where you're just, you know, shaken by the power of God. But I remember as a young person so many times, um, I would feel that unction that I, I would hear the accusation of the enemy. Your family's not here. They're never going to be saved. And I would feel that unction of the spirit that, oh, no, that I'm not believing that, and I would dance and shout and testify to God, knowing that he's going to take care of it. Having that faith and expressing that faith. Um, there's been times, you know, where um, family situations, and that can be, whew, that can be um, fully charged. 
<laughs> you know, just like loaded. But I know when I give myself in worship, I'm not just, I'm not just expressing that God is awesome and he's great, and, I, and he is, and he's worthy of that alone. But also a lot of times I'm saying, God, you are my source. Whatever I'm feeling, I'm putting in your hands because you're going to take care of it. You're going you're gonna to bring me through. This is how I overcome the enemy. He doesn't have any power over me. It doesn't matter what he accuses me of. I have legal precedence. I have evidence. I have faith that God's going to take care of me. So let's all stand in this place. We're going to exercise it right now. We're just going to take a few minutes. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's hard to say those things in English because you've never said them before. But it's okay. Say them. Say, God, you're going to save my family. God, you're going to take care of this. God, you're going to fix my family. You're going to fix my marriage. You're going to help me overcome the enemy that is trying to destroy because there is a devourer that wants to destroy covenants. Again, legal things. It's, it's contracts that you have one with another, with the family of God, with your spouse, with your family, with your children, your parents. The enemy wants to destroy those things. Well, we're not going to, we're going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb, understanding we can't do it. We're relying on Jesus Christ by the word of our testimony in worship and by loving our lives, not loving our lives unto the death. So just take a few minutes right now. Speak to the Lord about whatever you're going through and confess. Get on the witness stand and say, this is my evidence, God, that you are faithful, that you're going to take care of me. God, we give you everything today. No matter what it looks like, God. No matter what my family is doing, the decisions that they're making. I know, God, and I bring my faith that you will take care of it. That you will provide a way. That you are my defender. Ha, you're making intercession for me even as we speak. Even when I don't feel it, you're moving. Even when I don't see it, you're doing a work. And I trust that. I trust that more than I trust my heart. I trust that more than I trust my feelings. Because your word is truth. Your word cannot be defeated. Your word will stand when nothing else does. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I said, confess your faith. I said, get on that witness stand and say, God, I have faith, and that's evidence enough. I have faith. That's enough to overcome the enemy. That's enough to silence his accusations. Oh, I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You're establishing some things in your 
in your life with God that, that the enemy can't do anything about. He has no power over. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What, a, what an incredible word. Mm. This will be on our, our podcast shortly. I encourage you to share that with someone to hear this. What a powerful word for living. While she was speaking, there was a scripture that has helped me with doing what she said for us to just do. I want to share it. Just maybe it'll encourage you but I read this as one of these scriptures you highlight and underline and you're like I'm going to memorize this so I'll just always go to this but it, to me Psalm 119 has so much wonderful stuff about the Lord's word but there is um, Psalm 119 in 128 the writer said therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right and so whatever God says about any, just it's right. So whatever he says about sickness and healing, it's right. Whatever he says about deliverance and salvation, it's right. And so if I'm thinking opposite of what the Word said, that's wrong. <laughs> I've got to think right. I've got to have a true testimony. And, and so you start, you start speaking and saying and praying what he thinks about things. You know, we, I've said this to us all the time. I say, if you'll start thinking about yourself the way he thinks about you, well, you're going to do a lot better in life. But if you start remembering and get like this writer said right here, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the accuser just said. I don't care what my best friend just said. Job didn't care what his wife said. <laughs> don't get in trouble, guys. <laughs> but... but but when she said, why don't you just curse God? Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. I, honey, I love you, but you talk like a foolish woman. I'm, I'm give, he didn't say the honey, I love you part, but we just want to imagine that some of them, some of them sores on him went from her knocking him on the head. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but he's, he knew that, no, you know, Shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord? And we're not going to see evil. Or the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So he, he knew what I've got. Anything God's doing, it that's what's right. And that's the way I think about that. So, Sister Lois, God bless you for that word. Fantastic wisdom imparted. And I'm gonna tell you what that opening that opening statement don't that, that's right at the beginning don't make a peace treaty with your trial that, that ought to be trending right now somewhere that was fantastic mm, just great can we lift our hands and thank the Lord one more time for that word what a word hallelujah this is listen God's God's about to do some great things today once again we've seen enough to believe it. Over the last two days, we have seen enough of what God can do. There should be no doubt, but there should be high faith in this room right now. Hallelujah. We believe, Lord, in you. We believe what you're going to do in this house. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Give him a hand clap and shout of praise. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, we've got a little time before the next service. Find a, do, if you've got to run to the restrooms and get some more, do that. But then get back and maybe come stand around this altar for a few moments and lift your hands. And let's get ready to, for the word of the Lord and for just what God's going to do. Amen. God bless you. <laughs>